What's up, Young and Profiters? You are listening to an episode of Yap Snacks, a series of bite-sized content hosted by me, Hala Taha. If you've been listening to Yap for a while, I think you definitely know the name Stephen Kotler. Stephen is one of the world's leading experts in peak performance, flow, and productivity. He's the GOAT of human peak performance. He's the executive director of Flow Research Collective. He's written over a dozen best-selling books that have been translated in 40 languages. Stephen has been on Yap four times, and I don't doubt that he's going to be back on again. Every conversation with him is an instant classic, and I wanted to take the time to feature some of my favorite segments of his interviews in today's Yap Snacks. It's a best of series, so to speak. And this episode is going to primarily focus on flow, strengthening your attention span, and maximizing your productivity. But we're also going to dive deep on topics like motivation and peak performance aging. Before we get started, I did want to give a quick overview of what a flow state is. Flow is an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best. Think about the last time you really got sucked into a project, like reading a book or playing a sport or maybe playing an instrument, to the point where the rest of the world just seemed to have melted away and has stopped. This is a flow state. It takes 90 to 120 minutes of uninterrupted concentration to enter a flow state. And it comes with some incredible benefits like heightened productivity, creativity, and learning. And this concept is pretty foreign to a lot of us because if you think about the current culture surrounding work, it's not really conducive for entering a flow state. We're constantly checking our email, answering messages on Slack, picking up phone calls, taking last minute assignments. We are rarely working on the same task for more than 20 minutes, let alone 90 minutes. Research from UC Irvine shows that it takes 23 minutes for you to regain full focus on a task after you've been interrupted. So if we're constantly being bombarded by messages and impromptu office conversations, we may never fully regain our focus on whatever we're working on. And that is detrimental to the quality of our work. This actually reminds me of a recent interview that I had that's coming out soon. It's with Johan Hari, and he wrote the book Stolen Focus. Now, this interview was absolutely incredible. I really recommend that you guys check it out as a follow-up to this one. And we talked about how to stop falling victim to the forces of power that are stealing away your attention. And he brought up a really good point. When your ability to focus on a task diminishes, so does your competency and your ability in general to perform at a high level. You can't accomplish your personal goals if you don't have focus the way to really get into a flow state for me is to batch my time and to be really, really strict about the way in which I protect my time. I turn off notifications. I make sure everybody knows. Like for example, when I'm studying for an interview, I like to get in a flow state. I have four hours before my interview and I shut everything off and all I'm doing is concentrating on that interview. And one of my favorite things to do to study for my interview to make sure that I'm not distracted is I get my hair and makeup done now for my interviews. And I love when I'm blow drying my hair or the girl is blow drying my hair and doing my makeup because I'm forced to do nothing but study. It really helps me get in the zone. So for two hours, I'm stuck in a chair. I've got a hair dryer blowing and making sure that there's nothing else to do. I can't take calls. I can't do anything else but study. And I get so much work done because I'm in a forced flow state sitting in that chair getting my hair and makeup done. And it's great. It works out amazing. And so batching your time and doing things proactively to make sure that you're not getting disrupted is a great way to get into a flow state. And 
I want to kick off this episode by explaining what actually happens to your brain when you enter a flow state and why flow states are so crucial for peak performance. So let's dive into this clip. It's from Stephen's first interview on Yap way back when I was a baby podcaster, episode number 32, Flow into the Future. Let's get right into it. So what exactly happens to our mental and physical when we enter into a flow state? Maybe let's start off at a neurobiological level. What happens? In flow, we see really, really potent changes. We see large swatches of the prefrontal cortex. So this is where your executive function lives. A lot of your higher cognitive functions are housed there. It gets very, very, very quiet in flow. Most of it shuts off. We see brain waves move from where they are. So right now, you and I were talking. Our brains are in beta. It's a fast-moving wave. It's where we are when we're awake and alert. Below beta is a slower wave, alpha. This is sort of the signature of creativity. It's daydreaming mode. It's the brain going from thought to thought without a lot of internal resistance. One level down is theta, which is sort of where we are not that often when we're awake, though you can have waking state theta, but REM sleep, the hypnagogic state, it's where you're going from idea to idea with no internal resistance, right? You're, you're falling asleep and you're thinking about a green sweater you wore during the day and it turns into a green elephant and then it turns into a green ocean and then a green <laughs> planet, right? That's theta. So flow takes place on the borderline between alpha and theta. So it's a lot different. Now, your brain actually pops all over the place when you're in that state, but it returns this baseline. And then neurochemically, we see stress hormones get flushed out of the system when you move into flow and and, and four or five or six of the most potent performance enhancing feel good neurochemicals the brain can produce get shot into your system. There's physiological changes as well. We can now measure changes to heart rate and heart rate variability and facial expressions and facial muscles. And there's a bunch of other things that we look for now when we try to figure out if people are in flow. But those are the sort of the basic kind of neurobiological changes. The scientific definition of flow is an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and we perform our best. The neurobiology and physiology that I've just been describing, that's what we mean, Mm -hmm. right? Like when we say flow, we're talking about very, very specific neurobiological changes, changes in the brain and the body that are very measurable and very distinct. And there's also like a potent shift of neurochemicals that strengthen motivation, creativity, and learning. Can you walk us through what neurochemicals are exactly and why this boost in neurochemicals is so addictive? Yeah. So neurochemicals, as I said, are one of the two ways the brain communicates, right? They're signaling molecules. And typically, by the way, the brain isn't very fancy. It's kind of a binary engine. So usually what the signals are is do more of this thing or do less of this thing. That's really what neurochemicals do. But the neurochemicals you get in flow, norepinephrine, dopamine, anandamide, endorphins, possibly serotonin, possibly oxytocin, they're all performance-enhancing chemicals, first of all. So uh, muscle reaction times speed up. They deaden pain. Strength increases. This is all stuff they're doing. But their biggest impact, as you pointed out, are cognitive and they're cognitive performance-enhancing chemicals. So their biggest impacts are motivation, learning, and creativity. And we'll start with motivation because you hinted at that. These chemicals, besides performance enhancement, are pleasure drugs. They're the brain's reward system, right? We are goal-directed creatures, human beings are. And underpinning all this goal direction are rewards. And underpinning all these rewards are feel-good neurochemicals. And just to give you an idea, so romantic love, when you've fallen in love, you've fallen in love before? Yes. It's fun, right? Really, really, (laughs) really fun, right? 
Of course. My point is that when we're falling in love, that is predominantly norepinephrine and dopamine. And this is not my work. This is Helen Fisher's work at Rutgers on this. But falling in love is most people's favorite experience, right? And that's only two of Flo's five neurochemical cocktails. These are really potent, potent pleasure drugs. So potent that researchers talk about flow is the most addictive state on earth. And if you want to see the performance side of that, McKinsey did a 10-year study of top business executives and they found that top executives are five times more productive in flow than out of flow. That's a 500% boost in productivity and motivation. That's what addictive neurochemistry can do. So one of the great things about flow is you're actually getting your own biology to work for you rather than against you. And this is what that means. So you can get this huge step function worth of change in motivation from flow. Similar thing happens in creativity. So creativity really gets jacked up in flow primarily because all these neurochemicals surround the creative process, that surround the brain's information processing machinery. So in studies done by my organization, some done at Harvard, some done at the University of Sydney in Australia, we see that creativity spikes in about 400 to 700% in flow. And then Teresa Mobley at Harvard figured out that heightened creativity can outlast the flow state by a day, sometimes two, huge boost in creativity. And learning, we see something very similar Quick shorthand for how learning works in the brain, the more neurochemicals that show up during an experience, better chance that experience will go from short-term holding to long-term storage. Another thing that neurochemicals do, they tag experiences as critically important to save for later. Flow, which is this huge neurochemical dump, really magnifies learning. So in experiments run by the Department of Defense, we see learning will spike in flow some 230%. These are, again, huge, huge, huge change. Very, very useful. The best way to maximize productivity is to enter a flow state. There's a lot of great time management practices out there, like the Pomodoro technique, that encourage you to take breaks and rest your brain. But the fact is, if you're not focused on something for at least 90 minutes consecutively, you're missing out on these massive neurochemical dumps that shoot your creativity, motivation, and ability to retain information through the roof. Now that you know the benefits of flow, let's learn how to get into a flow state using flow triggers. Flow states have triggers, right? You take one of our classes, one of my trainings, that's what we're teaching you how to do. We're teaching you how to use and deploy these triggers. If you want more flow in your life, the triggers are your toolkit. There are 22 that have been discovered. There are way more. There are way, way, way more. This is just what we've discovered and the easy way to think about it, and then I'll get into a little bit of the science, triggers will lower cognitive load. Cognitive load is all the crap you're thinking about at any one point in time. And if I lower cognitive load, I liberate a bunch of energy that your brain will then repurpose for paying attention to the present moment. So that's from a neurobiological perspective, what all the triggers are doing. And some of them are obvious. Complete concentration is a flow trigger. And that's the place you want, you have to start. When I work with companies, I always walk in and I say, look, if you cannot hang a sign in your door that says, fuck off, I'm flowing, you can't do this work. And I'm not actually joking. I'm, I'm pretty serious. But on an individual level, what it means is you want to set a sign time for flow. And how much time? 
what the research shows is that you want to block off periods of time for uninterrupted concentration, if you can, that are 90 to 120 minutes long. This isn't arbitrary. Just like we have a 90 to 120 minute long REM cycle when we dream, we also have a waking focus cycle that's roughly the same amount. So the brain is essentially designed to focus for this period of time. In my life, it means that I like to start my day with my focus period. What the research shows is that if you really want to maximize flow, you want to start your work session, your 90 to 120 minutes in accordance with your circadian rhythms. So I'm an extreme lark. I love getting up super early in the morning. I've been up since 3.30 this morning. That's when I got up to start working. My wife's a night up. She's going to wake up in a couple of hours and she's going to work all night. Most people are sort of best alert in the morning, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. That's where they kind of stub into consciousness, but you can't really fight your circadian rhythms. So if you have any control over your schedule, what you want to do is sort of block off 90 to 20 minutes, kind of the period where you're going to be most alert, accords with your biological clock and practice distraction management. You can't beat kind of the salience network. It's going to win. So you want to basically shut off anything that's going to distract you from what you're going to focus on. From I like to start my work session with my hardest task. The hardest thing I have to do all day and the thing that if I complete it, it's the biggest victory for my day. I want to start with the biggest win always if I can or the thing that's going to just take the most effort or both together. And for me, that's usually writing my book whatever book I'm writing at the time. So that's sort of how I start my day. And I turn off Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and my cell phone and instant messages and all my alerts and my phone ahead of time. And I also have conversations, you know, and if you need me and you work with me, you know, there's certain hours that I'm, I am just not available. My wife knows these hours I'm not available. And one of the, I always tell people, have your conversations ahead of time. You're going to do this work flow massively amplifies productivity, but you need focused time to get that amplification. So it's worth saying, Hey, to the, all the people who love you or your bosses who want your attention, Hey, you're going to get more of me. But to get more of me, I need to be more productive and you need to leave me alone for this period of time. That's the most common flow trigger. To put it more specifically, flow is really trainable. And the reason I know this is at the Flow Research Collective, we train about a thousand people a month. And we train everybody from Olympic athletes and professional athletes and members of the U.S. Special Forces to C-suite executives at Fortune 500 companies to large swatches of the companies themselves. And I think right now we're working with everybody from Accenture, who's a business consultancy, to Audi, the auto manufacturer. So huge swatches of corporate America. And then we train the general public, everybody you could possibly imagine, insurance brokers in London and coders in Delhi and soccer moms in Iowa and on and on. And so on average, because we measure flow pre and post, we see a 70% increase in flow. This stuff is incredibly, incredibly trainable. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. 
my boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. <coughs> Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage, and even the did we just hit a million orders stage. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. Complete concentration is the biggest flow trigger there is. Remember, where attention goes, energy flows. But it's not the only trigger that matters. Let's hear about some more unique flow triggers like novelty, complexity, and feedback. So this is built out of the work done by Robert Sapolsky at Stanford, who discovered that whenever the brain encounters novelty, complexity, and uncertainty, it produces large quantities of dopamine. And if you start getting like novelty and complexity together or novelty and unpredictability, Sapolsky calls it the magic of maybe. 
the brain loves maybe. We love maybe. We love the thrum of possibility. It's really, really, really addictive and you get a lot of dopamine from it. Huge, huge squirts of dopamine. So this is why, for example, you've had this experience yourself, I'm sure, where you've traveled and it's sort of like instant flow states, right? You find yourself, you're walking around Italy or Greece or wherever the hell you go, upstate New Jersey, mm -hmm. and it's totally new and you find yourself in a low-grade flow state and it's just kind of encountering novelty and unpredictability around every corner. It's driving dopamine into your brain. Pretty soon it's going to drive you into flow. Cool. And then how about immediate feedback? This is Csikszentmihalyi's work, one of the most well-validated of flows triggers. And again, flow follows focus, right? So we pay the most attention to the task at hand when we know how we're doing, right? Where you don't have to wonder, how am I doing? And so you can course correct in real time. This is why sports are so great at producing flow. Same thing with some of the arts, performing arts, and even some of the tactile arts, right? The very, very, very immediate feedback. In fact, there's direct correlations between those professions that get the most feedback and performance and flow as well. Surgeons, high flow activities, they get a lot of feedback, right? Like your patient dies on the table, you did a bad job, that's immediate feedback. But jobs that have a lot less satisfaction, like radiologists, they read radiological screens and they never even know what happens to their patient. So they can't improve mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of flow in their jobs because they're not getting enough feedback. Writing, for example, out of my own life, as publishing has shrunk over the past 20 years, editors have been able to do less and less editing. And so my editors don't really edit me anymore. If I'm writing a book, if I get an editor to look at my book, two or three times along the way, that's huge. That's big. And that doesn't work for me. I need feedback a couple times a week on my writing. In fact, I need somebody to read my writing aloud to me a couple times a week and mm -hmm. provide feedback. So that's what I have somebody on my staff who does that because I need that kind of feedback. So I tell people one of the best things you can do if you want to do this kind of work is find a feedback buddy at work, a friend, whatever. It's tricky to find the right criteria because everybody comes in with individual biases, right? So you have to learn how to steer and what you need to steer for, and everybody's going to be different. You have to figure out what is the feedback that best drives you towards flow. I have not found a diagnostic that works for it. The only thing that I have found that works is when you find yourself in a deep flow state, one of the things to ask yourself is how much feedback did I receive along the way that got me here? You can only triangulate that way and what kind of feedback is most useful to you. Those are things you have to figure out for yourself, but immediate feedback is a great flow trigger. Yeah, and I think related to this, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, he institutionalized yes in order to create states of flow where basically if somebody wanted to say no, they had to write like a two-page paper on, on why they said no. Um, yeah, so I talk about this a little bit. This is a group flow thing. So individual flow is you or me in flow, but we can also get into a flow state together. It's a team performing at their best. It's a fourth quarter comeback in football. It's a great brainstorming session. It's a band coming together and when the music just sort of blows the roof off the stadium kind of thing, right? So the basic group flow trigger is the first rule of improv, which is always say yes, yes and. And so in improv, they say this because if you and I are doing improv and you say to me, hey, Stephen, there's a blue elephant in the bathroom. And I say, shut the fuck up. No, there's not. Well, that's not very funny. And the story doesn't go anywhere, right? Like not funny. But if I say, oh, crap, I hope he's not using up all the toilet paper, 
Well, now we can build a scene and it goes someplace exciting, right? So conversations, idea generation needs to be additive, not argumentative. Now, this doesn't mean you can't criticize. You can, and in fact, in brainstorming sessions, brainstorming sessions that are all about yes and positive feedback don't work. You need to be critical, but you have to find something to be additive to build onto. And Jeff's point was at Amazon, it is so freaking easy, especially for middle managers who don't want to get in trouble to say no to things. And we need group flow to succeed that he instituted an institutional yes policy. So if you're at Amazon and you want to say no, you got to write a two page memo and you got to post it on the company website about why you say no. So he can sort of work around this. Flow states help you achieve peak performance both by yourself and in group settings. What are some of the other ways that you can perform at your best and maximize your potential? Steven says the foundation of all peak performance is motivation. In this next clip, Steven will break down the value of motivation, the different levels of motivation, and the problem with using grit as your primary fuel source. Motivation is defined, what do scientists mean? It's defined as the energy for action right? That's literally the definition of motivation. When psychologists use the term motivation, it's a catch-all for four different categories of skill sets. There's extrinsic motivation. This is stuff in the world we're going to work hard to get. Money, sex, fame, right? Intrinsic motivation. This is You know, there's tons of different intrinsic motivators, but these are the things that drive us from the inside. Curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, the desire to drive our own bus, uh, mastery, the desire to uh, get really great at the things we do. These are all really powerful intrinsic motivators, and I just named the big five that we're going to focus on. There's also goal setting. There's three tiers of goals in there. And finally, there's six levels of grit skills. There's six kinds of different grit skills. All that gets folded under this heading motivation. If you're interested in peak performance, if you're interested in performance, if you're interested in anything, motivation gets you into the game. There's no, you can't start without the energy to start. And what the science shows about motivation is it's actually meant to be cultivated in a specific order. Like all those component parts, they start at one place and they go to another place. This is, and it starts with extrinsic motivation, goes to intrinsic, goes to goals and goes to grit. And we can talk more about that in a second. The point isn't that like you can go out of order. It's just that if you go in order, this is the way the system from a biological perspective sort of evolved to evolve. And it just makes it easy. You just get farther faster if you sort of do it in line. But pretty clear that you have to start if you're trying to amplify motivation. If you're interested in peak performance, motivation is where you got to start. If you want to increase motivation, you actually have to start with extrinsic motivation. You have to start with stuff in the real world. The data is pretty clear. Uh, Daniel Kahneman did a little, the Nobel laureate did a lot of this research. It's not my work. But what the studies have shown is that we have to make enough money for like kind of like basic income and a little leftover for fun before we can even consider anything else. And the reason is Fear can block peak performance, it blocks flow, it blocks peak performance, and it's too big of a detriment if you have food anxiety. How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed my children? If you don't know where you're living, if you have rent anxiety, if you, you can't win. You have to solve that problem first, then you go face all the other peak performance challenges. You don't need a lot of money. It's just literally enough to take care of my bills and a little leftover for fun. That's all you need. But if you're not there, it's really hard to do the other stuff. It's just, there's just too much fear. It's going to get in the way of too many things. So start with the extrinsic. 
what the research shows is, okay, I've got extrinsic. I want more motivation, right? And what the studies show is that you now want to reach for intrinsic motivation. If you want really big boosts in productivity, yeah, we'll still keep wanting things in the real world. It doesn't mean we stop wanting money, sex, fame, right? Of course, that stuff doesn't go away. But if you're really interested in peak performance and amplifying productivity and motivation, intrinsic is the way to go. And as I said, there's five big ones, and they design to work in an order. So it starts with curiosity. Curiosity is the most basic intrinsic motivator. Curiosity is sort of designed to be built into passion, which is designed to be built into purpose. I want to talk about the question you asked, which is what is motivation good for? What do we care about it? And what does it have to do with focus and attention? And this is that answer. So curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery, these are all intrinsic motivators. What's the big deal? People make a really big deal in the world about passion and purpose and things like that. And we hear a lot about them. And that may have a lot more to do with like virtue signaling than anything. Like from a peak performance perspective, this stuff is very selfish, actually. And the reason is simply this. When Think about curiosity. What do we get when we're curious about something? When you're interested in something, you pay attention to it automatically. You don't have to work hard. Curiosity, same thing with passion. You pay, think about falling in love. That's passion. How much the attention you pay to the other person, right? Ton of stuff. Purpose is more of the same, et cetera, et cetera. Focus for free is a really big deal. The brain is a huge energy hog. It uses 25% of our energy at rest. So we're not even trying to do work yet, just at rest. That's like one quarter of everything you eat goes to run the tiny two, two ounce thing in your head that's just, you know, a tiny little bit of your body mass. So huge energy hog and passion is more focused, purpose is more and so forth. We get other things, but at a really basic level, that's the link. And each one of these is designed to be built into another. You know, think about it. Curiosity builds into passion. Passion is, once we have a passion, we couple that passion to a cause greater than ourselves. That's essentially the formula for purpose. Once you have purpose, the system wants the freedom to pursue that purpose. So autonomy becomes the next motivator that starts to matter. And finally, once you have the freedom to pursue your purpose, you want the skills to be, pursue it well, right? So that's where mastery comes into play. And so that's sort of the stack of intrinsic motivators. If you can get them properly stacked and all aligned and pointed in the same direction, you're bringing all your fuel sources to every problem you encounter. And that's the really big deal. If you think about an athlete, you know when an athlete goes into a game, they got enough sleep the night before because rest matters. They had their proteins and their carbs and their hydration and their fats, right? Everything was, they wanted all the possible fuel sources so they could be at their best. But the same thing with mental fuel sources, right? With motivation. That's why you want all of your motivators pointed in the same direction because it, it's the same thing. So you're stacking and aligning motivators. You can tap every possible fuel source for, for the simple reason that peak performance, going after impossible roles, is hard. It's unpleasant. It's difficult. And if you don't have all your intrinsic motivators pointing the same way, the only tool you're going to ever have to reach for is grit. Oh, this sucks. I got to tough it out. And this sucks. I got to tough it out is not going to get you're going to get burned out. You won't get you can't. This sucks. I'm going to tough it out your way to the impossible. It's too far. It's too hard. You have to have all these other fuel sources. I always tell people that grit, however useful it is, is the last tool that peak performers reach for, not the first tool. And I think in a lot of society, we have it backwards, um, especially younger generation, because they're 
tougher. They're resilient. You can stay up all night like a college teaches you to do that. Being a young, right? all the stuff you sort of learn how to do says just reach for grit, reach for grit because you're tough enough. You can handle it. What you start to figure out pretty quickly is, holy crap, this allows you. Like, I can't do this. I'm going to end up burned out because there's only so much grit to go around. And even if you train up all six levels of grit and get them expert level, it's still there's not enough of a fuel, there's not enough energy there. You have to reach for all the other motivators first. And then grit is your last resort. Okay. So if I have this correct, it feels like motivation gives you this free energy source. It's like downstream, it's effortless. It kind of helps you get you going. Like you said, it's the first step. You have to make sure that you have your extrinsic motivation satisfied first. So your basic needs, paying rent, being able to eat, getting food on the table. That needs to happen first before you can be ready to start tackling your intrinsic values. And then there's five main ones. What are the five again? Curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. I want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all Scrappy Hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast and hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are gonna roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high-quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out the Economist Education course, Business Writing and Storytelling. It's packed with valuable practical advice on how to inform and persuade through writing reports, social media, presentations, and beyond. The best part, these courses are online, flexible, and self-paced, lasting anywhere from two to six weeks. You're guided by expert tutors, 
You'll dive into a mix of videos, podcasts, texts, quizzes, and weekly assignments. Plus, you'll get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. Economist Education provides access to online forums where you can network with peers around the globe. In a world where knowledge is power, Economist Education empowers you to lead the way. Economist Education is an incredible way to stay ahead in business. And I've got a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course only available by going to my special URL, education.economist.com slash profiting, and then enter the promo code profiting at registration. This offer ends on March 31st, so don't wait. For 15% off, go now to education.economist.com slash profiting and use code profiting. Again, this ends on March 31st. If you want 15% off, you've got to go to education.economist.com slash profiting and use promo code profiting at registration. Motivation gives you the energy for action. So if you aren't motivated by anything or if your motivations are weak, you're not gonna get very far. Remember, if you wanna become a peak performer in whatever you do, you need to be motivated by several different factors. Grit alone is not enough. Moving on, we've been focused on how to maximize your potential in the here and now. Once you have that mastered, you can start practicing peak performance aging, which keeps you healthy, strong, and energetic as you enter your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Let's round out this episode by learning the core components of peak performance aging. So if you want to rock to you drop, if you really are interested in peak performance aging, you need to regularly engage in challenging, creative, and social activities that is dynamic, deliberate play and take place in novel outdoor environments. Now let's unpack what this big ass sentence and what, what it means and why it answers your question. So challenging, social, and creative. Lifelong learning matters for a bunch of different reasons, but short version, if we want to preserve brain function, we need expertise and wisdom. Expertise and wisdom are these very diverse neural nets in the brain, lots of real estate, lots of redundancy, impervious to cognitive decline. The more expertise, the more wisdom. And this is why one of the reasons peak performance aging starts young. Like literally the guy who, who did the core research on wisdom, Elkanon Goldberg, his core advice is the more wisdom, the more expertise, the more we have cognitive reserve, the meaning, the more we can stave off Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline, all the things that are going to happen, could happen to the brain over time. This is how we fight back. And his point was wisdom among the many things encapsulated in wisdom are all like the unconscious rules that govern how do systems work? How does behavior work? All the, like all that stuff. It's onboarded slowly over time. So you want to start training these things. You want to be, start learning. Challenging, creative, and social activities, we learn a lot during. They also tend to drive us into flow. Social activities are really important as we age. Most important thing you can do for your brain is maintain social activity because it keeps the brain active in really important ways and really lowers stress levels. So a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about, there are nine known causes of aging. They're all linked to inflammation. Inflammation is linked to stress. So anything you do that fights stress, that lowers stress, that gives you more emotional control is involved in peak performance aging. So social activities lower stress. They give us these pro-social, oh, there's people around who love me, got my back. I can be a little less stressed. So there's a lot of that stuff. Dynamic, deliberate play is the next bit. Dynamic is literally what we've been talking about. It's just a fancy way of saying it hits all five categories of functional fitness, strength, stamina, flexibility, balance, agility. Deliberate play, you've heard of deliberate practice, Anders Ericsson's favorite expertise, repetition with incremental advancement is the fastest path towards expertise. And Anders wasn't wrong. 
But it, as he himself said, that's only true in certain very precise disciplines. And when faced with just general learning, deliberate play works better than deliberate practice. Deliberate play is repetition with improvisation. You're going to do the same thing you did last time, but a little bit of flourish, a little flower, a little something fun. It's playful, meaning there's no shame. There's no embarrassment. If you're bad, who cares? You're having fun. But that feeling of play produces more neurochemistry, more endorphins. This one really boosts the immune system, lowers stress levels, but amplifies learning. So dynamic, deliberate play says I'm using all the physical skills that decline and I'm learning better than any other way. Novel outdoor environments, the last bit, why do we care? And this is back. Action sports demand dynamic, deliberate play. They take place in novel outdoor environments and they're challenging, creative, and social. So it's one-stop shopping. The last bit is most important bit. One, outdoor environments in general lower stress. We know this. This is well established in positive psychology. A 20-minute walk in the woods will outperform most SSRIs for treatment of depression. I can talk about why if you care. But like we know that good for you, lowers stress. So in itself, being in nature is anti-inflammatory. So it's better for healthy aging. But if you want to preserve brain function, how do you do that? You want to birth new neurons and turn those new neurons into neural nets. That's learning. So the adult brain, contrary to what we used to believe for a long time, it actually does continue to birth new neurons. And in fact, the, the adult brain will birth about 700 new neurons a day, even basically until you die. But where do those neurons show up is the key question. They show up in a part of the brain known as the hippocampus. The hippocampus does two things. It does long-term memory and it does location, place. It's packed with place cells and grid cells. Why? We evolved as hunter-gatherers. When you were in the wild and something emotionally charged happened, you got to remember where you were when it happened. That's survival. So where did I get attacked by that tiger so I don't go back there? Where was that ripe fruit tree so when it comes into season, I'm hungry, I can go there? This is survival. This is what the brain is designed to do. Peak performance and peak performance aging is always getting our biology to work for us rather than against us. Our biology is designed to remember when we have novel experiences in outdoor environments. So that's what you want to use it for. Action sports gives you that. Now, I also say in the book that like, if action sports aren't your thing, you can duplicate a lot of this by simply hiking with a weight vest. And weight vests are really key better than a lot of other things because they amplify bone density. Little known fact, your bones, like where you store all your minerals, all your nutrients are stored in your bones and they're released into, so everything that drives the brain, calcium, for example, which is in every, everything the brain does, it's stored in the bones. So as our bones become less dense over time, which happens, it impacts everything. For women, really important after menopause, where does most of your estrogen come from? your bones. So wildly fluctuating hormonal levels, which is a problem that most people have post-menopause, exacerbated by bone density. If you want to increase bone density, one of the best ways is hiking with a weight vest. There's lots of literature. There's lots of science on that. There's also a bunch of other benefits, but it hits all of those categories if you're not interested in action sports. That said, there's a lot to recommend in action sports. Young and profiters, I actually have a nasty habit of ordering way too many groceries. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I've wasted so much food in the past and I felt really guilty about it, but now my conscience is clear with HelloFresh. Each week, I get ingredients shipped to me with step-by-step -step recipes. I get fresh, pre-measured ingredients that get me whipping up delicious dinners in no time. And then I reduce waste because you get exactly what you need and nothing else. 
I love trying new foods and HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-ons to choose from every single week. It's so much fun to pick out my meals. It's easier than ever to find something that everybody in your family will enjoy. I personally like to stick with the basics when it comes to HelloFresh. I get their meat and veggies plan. I love the options they have for that. And trust me, it's cheaper than takeout. And with pre-proportioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. And now Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh, which gives me an even wider variety of meals to choose from. There's something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and you can enjoy both brands at a discount with me now. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Profiting Free and use code Profiting Free for free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Profiting Free with code Profiting Free. And there you have it, Yap Bam, some of our favorite tips from Stephen Kotler on peak performance and flow. Stephen is an absolute genius, and I can't wait to have him back on Yap again. To recap, flow states produce several neurochemical cocktails in your brain, giving you a 500% boost in productivity, a 4 to 700% boost in creativity, and a 230% boost in learning. The best way to enter a flow state is by focusing all of your attention on one task, but you can use other flow triggers to enter a flow state like novelty, complexity, and feedback. Don't try to take on a big task if you aren't motivated to do it because you will run out of energy. Before you even start, you need to have your basic needs met. Then you need to have extrinsic motivation. That's what you wanna achieve in the world, as well as intrinsic motivation, which is made up of curiosity, passion, purpose, autonomy, and mastery. And all of your extrinsic and intrinsic motivators should be pointed in the same direction. And of course, you need grit and perseverance, but those should be your emergency energy reserves and you should not be primarily fueled by grit. And finally, if you want to stay fit and energetic as you age, engage in challenging creative and social activities and dynamic deliberate play, ideally in novel outdoor environments. So fun fact, I used to ski all the time when I was younger, but once I hit my 30s, I felt like I was too old to ski because I thought that I had too much to lose. I was worried that my body wouldn't be able to handle it. And honestly, I've got a lot to live for right now and I just didn't want to get hurt. But let me tell you, after talking to Steven, I feel like that was silly. I feel like I'm totally young enough to go back to skiing and snowboarding and the long-term benefits of action sports are just too good to miss out on. If you want to learn more about Stephen Kotler, we have his website, his socials, and his books all linked in the show notes. And if you like this Yap Snack, be sure to check out all of our full interviews. That's episode number 32, Flown to the Future, Master the Impossible, episode number 138. And we had him on pretty recently, episode number 211 on peak performance aging, how to stay at the top of your game in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. And lastly, we also had him on Clubhouse. So if you want to scroll through the archives, you can find that one. And all the episodes are linked in the show notes for easy access. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, drop us a five-star review on Apple or your favorite podcast platform. And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with a friend. You guys can find me on Instagram at yapwithhala or LinkedIn if you search my name, Hala Taha. And if you like watching your podcasts in video format, check us out on YouTube. Big thanks to my amazing Yap team. Thank you so much for all that you do. I couldn't do it without you. You guys rocked. You crushed this one. Appreciate all your help. This is your host, the podcast princess, Halataha, signing off. <laughs>